Hello and welcome to My Favourite Album, where each week I talk to a different guest about an album they love and how it's influenced and inspired them. My name's Jeremy Dillon. I'm a journalist, photographer, music industry exec and the director of the music documentary Jim Lauderdale, The King of Broken Hearts. Just hold your own My guest today wrote her first song at the age of eight. It was called Notice Me and it worked. She's become a modern day successor to John Prine and Tom T. Hall, writing songs with the wit, understatement and empathy of classic Americana songwriters while appealing to everyone from Williamsburg hipsters to small town Queenslanders and the world's biggest pop stars. Casey Musgraves, welcome to my favourite album. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks for being here and thanks for having me backstage at the Mother Church of Country Music. <laughs> yes, we are at the Ryman. This was the second night of our of our two shows here, um, both of which were sold out to my disbelief. Did not think that would ever happen and definitely a bucket list moment for me and the band as well. Very fun night. Does your band have a name? Well, right now they're called the Runner Ups. Okay, I was thinking the Ryan Stoners might be good. Oh, that is good. That is really good. I have a song that I've written called um, Getting Rhinestoned. We're getting <laughs> rhinestoned. It just didn't make it on the record. Okay. So, Casey, what is your favorite album? I'm not sure if I can directly say that I have a quote-unquote favorite album because there's just that's just torture for a songwriter, <laughs> for a musician, anybody who loves music. It's just ridiculous how many different albums are out there. So... Instead of saying favorite, how about I say one of my favorites of all time sure. is the 1971 John Prine album, just self-titled John Prine. If dreams were lightning, thunder were desire, this old house would have burnt down a long time ago. Make me. Incredible record. That's the first one I heard of his, and it made me immediately fall in love with who he was as a wordsmith and a thinker. You know, just the songs are, are just unique and tongue in cheek and make you think, and also really catchy. So you're obviously far too young to have heard this album when it came out in 1971. How did you first come across this record? I moved to Nashville about six years ago, and there was a group of friends that I was kind of hanging out with, and I heard them playing, I think it was Illegal Smile, uh, was the, the first song that I might have heard, and I just was like, it just really resonated with me, and it made me laugh, and it, it painted this whole picture in my head, and um, it really kind of shifted the entire way that I started writing songs, to be honest, because... Like, whenever I first moved to Nashville, I feel like it was it was more about, you know, writing songs that would be popular for the radio or would, you know, make sense on the radio. And I was a little frustrated by that because I just wanted to talk about real life and things that I was going through. And my favorite songs are the ones that are very conversational and just sound like someone's literally speaking to you. You know, they're not they're not trying to be poetic and put it into a song. 
so clearly, you know, John's music has resonated with me and um, and really made me a more conversational and, and simplified, I think, better writer. Well, there's a line in Illegal Smile. It's something like, um, why don't you please tell the man I'm not killing anyone, I'm just trying to have me some fun, which feels like it could be the um, thesis statement of a lot of your work. <laughs> maybe, maybe so. I mean, I do definitely, like, identify a lot with, with John's ideas. Um, he, you know, he comments a lot on, on social aspects of life, um, you know, some relationship stuff, but just an observant point, you know, an observer's standpoint of just looking around and, and seeing things and commenting on things that you, you see every day, but you might not really think about until you hear a song like that. Well, you wrote a song called John Prine, mm -hmm. which is sort of, it hasn't been released so far officially, but it's gained a certain infamy. Um, which and that name checks illegal smile in the lyric, and I was yeah. wondering if you could tell me about like when you wrote that song and sort of the incident. I think either leading up to it or after you wrote that song that played into the lyric in that song. So whenever I first moved to Nashville, I was writing with um, Angelo Petraglia and Richie Supa, I believe. It was one of the first writing sessions I'd had, and I think I just I don't even remember how it started, but but we wrote this song called John Prine and. It was just, the, the tagline is, you know, my idea of heaven is to burn one with John Prine. And it's just kind of a, a tongue-in-cheek song um, describing myself and kind of what, what my ideas are. And um, it was just right around the time that I had heard his music and I was just falling in love with it. So occasionally I'll get, you know, someone will yell it, yell it out to me and, and I'll play it. But, but for the most part, I don't really play it that much. Last year, we went on this cruise called Kayamo. Actually, it was this year, January. We went on this Americana music cruise called Kayamo. Buddy Miller was on there. A ton of amazing acts. Lucinda Williams, Lyle Lovett, and John Prine. And uh, we got to play this round together. It was just John and I and our guitars. And I can't tell you how funny and disarming he is as a person. He's just, he's just himself, and he's witty and quick just like his songs, and it was just the most comfortable fun that I've probably ever had on stage. And it was actually a really emotional point for me because he had heard about the song John Prine and asked me to play it in the round. And I was just like, well, I never thought that I would be singing it in front of the person that I wrote it about, <laughs> so we'll see how this goes. But, but it was incredible. And that wasn't the first time you'd met, though, was it? No, we actually met... I guess this was, this was again, like five, five or so years ago when I had first moved to town. Somebody said, hey, you better get down to the station inn. Um, John Prine is playing a free set. And it was just like a Christmas thing called, it was like a family Christmas show that he put, put on every year. And it was free. And they, did, they announced it like right before. So you had to get there like really quick to be able to get in. So I went down there and saw the set. And then I bumped into him afterwards, like over by the stage. And I was just like, hey, 
I really hate to do this. Like, I'm going to be that person, but can we please get a picture? Also, do you want to burn one with me? And he was like, well, I don't really do that anymore. And then he goes, wait, you're that girl who wrote that song, Burn One with John Prine, aren't you? And I was like, maybe. So, yeah. You know that old trees just grow stronger And old rivers grow wilder Just grow lonesome Waiting for someone to say Hello in there There's a song on this record called Hello in There which is kind of his, you know, empathetic song towards the older members of society and there's the line in that about, you know, um, older trees just grow stronger Mm-hmm and I mean, I was wondering, there's, I think people have a perception about you that you may be somewhere, you're an old soul, you've skipped a generation or two somehow, because a lot of the people that people associate with you with or would think of as your influences, mm-hmm. like John Prine, yeah. aren't, you know, contemporaries or the previous generation, right. they're from, you know, 70s, 60s or earlier. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I my first car was a 1967 Ford Mustang and it was a project that my dad and I had worked on all through high school and then I finally got to drive in my senior year I don't know I just like to have this real love for things that are um that are older that have some time on them that like you know other people have used and experienced like my guitar is um is from the 50s it's a 57 I just really love stuff like that songs songwriters and something about brand new isn't always as appealing to me as something a lot older you know there's a note that you wrote hand wrote in the country music hall of fame about your love for john prine and i was wondering how that came about was that something they approached you about or did they just ask you to put something in and you that was what you wanted to put in or how did that come about well i found out that there was going to be a john prine like exhibit i guess you know honoring him and they asked me if i wanted to be a part of it in some way um so i donated my song of the year grammy to it and wrote a little note just dedicating and sharing my Grammy with him because I really don't think that I would have been able to write merry-go-round without hearing his music because it's just again it's just the idea of, of staying really conversational and just saying it how you don't you wouldn't normally think you know people would say it in a song I feel like I owe a lot you know to him for that reason and for inspiring me and after meeting him and everything and knowing kind of who he is as a person um, it just meant a lot for me to be able to share a small chunk of what I have with someone who has inspired me so much. Well, your you know two major label albums into your career at this point. This was his debut album in nineteen seventy one, and he, and both of you sort of came into this very well. I know it depends where you go from here, obviously, but fully formed in a sense that your point of view was very strong. Mm-hmm. Do you think, I mean, as you go forward, that your the album format is something that's important to you to maintain in your work? Is the idea of making a cohesive statement like this John Prine record, like Patch Material and Same Trailer Different Park, is that a real important thing for you? Yeah, I mean, I definitely believe in the art of albums. Um, I'm not a single-based artist, and I really don't want to be because the studio is, I feel like, where like my heart and like my creative soul shines the most. I mean, playing out is great, but... If you, you can't really have that if you don't have like you know the time in the studio to 
to have an idea blossom, you know? So, um, so yeah, it's really important for me to create a theme, create an idea and create like a little, like almost like a little time capsule for, you know, people to step into when they're listening to it. This represents this time period in my life. This is what I, this is what my point of view was. This is the sound, these are the sounds that, that inspired me. Like when we were making the record, it was a lot of Glenn Campbell and it was a lot of like traditional like mariachi like music and uh, Jim Croce was a big one. Obviously John Prine's always in there somewhere, but but yeah, you know, Marty Robbins. So um, I like being able to, you know, chronologically like record like where my head's at, you know? And I think it's easy because I'm so inspired by all these different kinds of music to go, oh, well, I could do this kind of song, and I could do this kind of song, and the whole album would feel like a karaoke album, <laughs> you know, of different things. Yeah. But it's important for me to, like, weed that down and figure out what exactly it is that I want to say and create a vibe, you know. So, yeah. Well, you've talked about, you know, the song you wrote about John Prine. You've talked about playing with John Prine. Have you ever covered any of John Prine's songs live? Whenever we did the round together, we got to sing Angel from Montgomery. We got to sing um, In Spite of Ourselves. Oh, great. But, uh, you know, just if I'm sitting around picking with the guitar, I've, I've sang Illegal Smile. But I've yet to really, like, really nail one of his songs on my own. But I would love to. I love Spanish Pipe Dream. That's, like, one of my favorite things right. he's ever written. She was a level-headed dancer on the road to alcohol. On the way to Montreal Well, she pressed her chest against me About the time the jukebox broke Yeah, she gave me a peck on the back of her neck And these are the words she spoke Blow up your TV Throw away your paper Go to the country Build you a home Plant a little garden a lot of peaches try and find Jesus on your own well illegal smile it has a reputation of being about weed basically and he said that it, that's not what it was about when he wrote it it was just about the way that he saw the world and he had a private joke to himself about a lot of things ah, but fortunately I have the key to escape reality and you may see me tonight with an illegal smile. It don't cost very much, but it lasts a long while. Won't you please tell the man I didn't kill anyone? No, I'm just trying to have me some fun. How did you read the song when you first heard it? I thought it was about weed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think he, he says he doesn't like to disillusion people. Yeah. So I'm sorry if I just disillusioned you about it. No, it's okay. I mean, a song is meant to, for people to grab onto in any way that relates to them. So that's fair. You know, some of my songs people take as one thing and it really wasn't that in my head, but who's to say, really? Well, can you tell me any examples of weird, well, um, unexpected interpretations of your songs? Well, like high time, everyone's like, oh, it's innuendo, it's about getting high. I'm like, well, if you really listen to it, it's saying it's high time to slow down, put my phone down, like get back to how I was, lose the flash, 
you know, just sit on the porch and watch the grass grow, basically. But they were like, grass, the word high, <laughs> it's about weed. Not really. I can't imagine why anyone would associate it with those things. Yeah, or me at all. Yeah. It's a totally wrong assumption there. It's <laughs> So when you go back to listen to John Prine, the album John Prine these days, you know, all these years after you've discovered it and having, you know, written songs and won Grammys inspired by John Prine and played in very close proximity to John Prine on the same stage, what's it like when you put the record on these days and listen to it again? Um, well, I mean, it's the, it, hits, it hits me the same as it always has, you know, very simple and it's really timeless, you know, and he's a, he's a little comedian in his songs. He really is, so... You know, it's a pick-me-up. At the same time, as sometimes it's depressing, but in a good way. Well, I couldn't think of a better summation than that. Casey, thanks for talking to me tonight about your favourite album. Yeah, thanks for having me. Make me a poster of an old rodeo Just give me one thing that I can hold on to To believe in this That's it for another episode of My Favourite Album. Thanks for listening. I've been Jeremy Dillon. You can follow me at Mr. Jeremy Dillon. Like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash myfavouritealbum. Subscribe on iTunes. And if you dig the show, please leave a review. Thanks again for listening and see you next time.